0: Strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles.
1: Oh, and a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Rage. Presented by Santan Ford & Gilbert. Murray's gonna score, touchdown! Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker! Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield.
2: <laughs>
1: the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford & Gilbert. Right on the price. Right on the corner of the Santan 202 Freeway in Val Vista. Seat Geek, your ticket to great seats, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash
3: podcast.
0: The Red Sea is rising up!
1: Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over.
4: Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm ready. I'm 100% ready. I'm telling you, I'm ready. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that.
1: Unleash the
0: fury!
4: Okay, look, if a 366-pound defensive lineman can run the 40-yard dash today at the NFL Combine, if Andy Reid can reveal to the media that Taylor Swift actually baked homemade (laughs) Pop-Tarts for the offensive line earlier this season, and in fact the head coach didn't get one, and if Kyla Murray can take a picture with D-Book, and Corbin Carroll at a charity event, right? And it's labeled Best in the Valley. If all of that can happen, Ron Wolfley. In fact, speaking of Kyler, you realize his Our Franchise QB tweet has now been viewed more than 12 million times. Oh. And we haven't even finished out the week. Yes, yeah, see, we can absolutely do the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Paul Calvisi here. Ron Wolfley there.
0: And, Paulie, too, when that tweet came out, that X, if you will, when that came out, remember, that was the first day of the Combine right there. Yes. And to me, Paulie, that truly does mark the first day of the offseason, the new NFL season. Now, technically, it's not. Of course, we all know that doesn't start until in March. But for me, that is the start of the new NFL season, the first day of the Combine.
4: Yeah, we know it's March 13th, the official start, because there are various things that happen. Five days after March 13th, the Denver Broncos would owe Russell Wilson some $37 million guaranteed. So everybody now, Russell Wilson, will not be the Denver Broncos quarterback <laughs> by the time that date rolls around. But as for right here, right now, in fact, moments ago... You had Jared Verse, the Florida State defensive end, 6'4", 254, running a four six flat 40, the identical same time as Will Anderson. They have almost the exact same measurables last year, NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. And Chop Robinson, the edge player out of Penn State who has been linked to the Cardinals in a lot of mock drafts, ran a four four eight. 8".
0: Oh, no, he didn't, Paul. Did he really run a 4 4
4: And you know why he's named Chop? Because when he was born, <laughs> yeah. he was 14 pounds at birth, and his nickname was Pork Chop. And they just Oh, you still it, don't weigh 14 chop. pounds. <laughs> all, right. all right, let's get down to it here, okay? Big Red Rage presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert. Look, a little bit later... We're going to get a one-on-one with Daniel Jeremiah from the Combine, Darren Urban, Danny Surrett, Craig Grillo, all there. We got boots on the ground in Indianapolis. Danny's going to go one-on-one with Jonathan Gannon. We'll hear that a little bit later. We're going to hear all about Garrett Williams. We'll continue our close examination of just a a robust rookie class from a year ago. But let's go into the trenches here. Monty Austin Ford talking to the media. And he was answering the question, all right, um, you know what? You, you got to find the player, but you also have to find the person. What goes into that?
3: Anytime that we add a player to our building, it's, it's going to be we're going to talk about the fit, not only on the field, but off the field as well. And so that's why this week is such a big step in that process is that we can we can meet with players. We can compare the information that we have coming in here to our take once we get a chance to sit down across from them ultimately we owe it to the locker room to bring in people that have the right mindset
4: ron wolfley would you say that the new decision makers money on and head coach jonathan gannon they have made that a premium part of hitting the reset button finding those sorts of players not just what they see on film but what they encounter in person
0: yeah, Paulie, we've been talking about this for a long, long time, ever since Monty Asenfort and J.G. started voicing their opinion on culture and what the culture they were looking for and what they wanted to build here. I mean, this is not a surprise whatsoever. They have a clear-cut dude in their head. It doesn't matter, Polly, if, if you're a cornerback, if you're an edge player, if you're a running back, whatever it is, I think Monty, Austin, and JG have a clear-cut image in their head as to what kind of person they want to be that player. And that really is the difference right now, Paulie. And that's why the interview process this week is going to be huge at the Combine. When
4: Monty Osenfort tells the media this week, quote, that I would put the character in the football makeup of a player and rate it as much as important as the on-field ability, end quote, you realize the importance, right? And when you have Jonathan Gannon asked at the Combine, all right, so what is culture to you? And he said, it's who you are. It's how you behave. Culture is just a fancy word for those two things. They, that that player has to fit yep. our locker room, you know, what we value. And uh, if you have enough of those guys, you will win. That's according to Jonathan Gannon.
0: Yeah. And, you know, again, that's why these interviews are so critical at the Combine. I, I, I think, Paulie, 45, 45- you're on 45 interviews at the Combine, and I believe they're 20 minutes long. <laughs> Can you imagine sitting in all of those all of those meetings, Paul? And you know me. I'd love to be one of the guys sitting around that table just so I could look at a dude and say, why, sir, do you play this game? Why do you play the game of football? I'd love to hear that answer right there. But, man, 45 dudes for 20 minutes, I don't know, Paul. All
4: right, so speaking of those meetings, Jonathan Gannon was asked, what do you hope to learn from the prospects, when you have that precious
5: fifteen or twenty minutes per. If they love ball and if they're team guys first, it's awesome meeting with them, getting to start to know them as people um, before you really dive into the tape. But uh, really looking for the what I call the price of admission if they fit that. So we've had a lot of good guys that we've already talked to. We've got a lot more meetings scheduled the next couple of days. So uh, it's a really cool process for us.
4: Now a lot of these guys are coached up, Wolf. Uh, so. How tough do you think it is to discern what's truly inside a player, what truly motivates a guy?
0: Yeah, Paulie, I think you've got to ask him directly what he loves about the game and then listen to his answer. Because, Paulie, you know this. Um, These scouts, they've already seen this guy on tape, right? Monty Osenford has already seen this guy on tape. They got that. What you go to the combine for, it's the interview process, yes. But you're looking for verification for what you've already seen on tape. You're looking for a guy to go out there and compete and verify what it is that you have seen right there. And maybe sometimes if a guy does so well, you're going to go back to the tape and you're going to look at it right now. But when you listen to that, Pauly, um, and you listen to a guy that is talking about love ball, you got a love ball. Will you define that for me? What does that mean? There, that's that's a statement. He's got a love ball, but... When you get right down to it, what does that mean? That's why the interview process
4: is so critical. So one player who has really stolen some of the spotlight is Terry and Arnold, the corner, most rate him the number one corner in this draft out of Alabama. And he told the media earlier today that Jonathan Gannon told me to get up, get up from my seat during the interview and demonstrate my press technique. <laughs> And I said, Coach, you want me to hit you for real? And JG said, Yeah, hit me, go ahead. And he said, I hit him, I showed him my press technique. <laughs> And, and, and Darren Urban actually confirmed that with Jonathan Gannon. Confirmed that moment, moment really happened. Can't you see that happening with Jonathan Gannon and some totally, of these players?
0: Totally, Paul. I, <laughs> I totally see that happening. Oh my with goodness. JG. you got to be kidding me, man. I mean, it is so cool right there. But again, you know what's cool about this? If you ask a guy, I was kind of joking with you, but Paulie, I really would. Why do you play this game? What, why do you love the game of football? Listen to what the guy says. And then think of the tape, Paul. Think of the tape, right? Is, is what he's saying, does that match up to what you actually see on tape? It's got to do that, Paul. And if it does, man, it's going to be very impressive. And I'm sure his grade is going to be higher and he's going to go
4: up. Well, Gannon was also asked about playing rookies because the Cardinals did that more than any other team. And he said, yeah, we put the guys out there we think can win the game. But the quicker they get to play, the quicker you see what they are. He said that could be good or that could be bad, but you get to see him, and then you're able to make your evaluation, and that's where that evaluation really starts right now in person with so many of these interviews. In fact, we'll talk in depth about Garrett Williams, is a great story. Monty Asipor recently told about meeting garrett williams last year at this time hey join the cardinal season ticket priority list for 2024 home opponents include the bears chargers patriots jets lions commanders and the NFC west go to azcardinals.com slash priority list we continue with a big red rage presented by santan ford and gilbert
3: That's one of the challenges of the draft, is trying to anticipate. You know, I don't, I don't think we're quite at that point yet where we're gonna try to figure out what's gonna go on in front of us. We're still in the evaluation of our, our own board and trying to get guys where we think and the value and, and putting them where we think for our team. You know, further down the line, maybe once we get into middle of April, the last couple weeks leading up to the draft, then we'll start to try to predict what might happen in front of us, behind us, around us. Um, and that's part of the, uh, the strategy of the draft.
4: There you go. Cardinals GM Maniasa Ford this week at the NFL Combine 2024. It continues through the weekend. And in fact, you'll see on the weekend, Saturday, we have quarterbacks, receivers, and running backs. And then on Sunday, offensive line. Today, D-line and linebackers. Tomorrow, DBs and tight ends. That's how it's going down. Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert Later in his media session at the Combine Wolf, Monty Austin Ford said, yeah, you know what? I'm sure calls will start to come in at number four and quote, we're going to make our fair share of calls too.' end quote. What is your expectation? (laughs) What are the odds considering the Cardinals traded on a number three a year ago? What are the chances they do the same thing and trade out a number four this year?
0: Paulie, yeah, I think it all depends on who is there at number four. This is just me. You know You know my take on this. I could be dead wrong right now. Monty Austin Ford could actually be listening to this and just laughing hysterically. Somehow, someway, he's actually listening to this, and he's going, man, Wolfley is so far off, it's not even funny. But I think if, if Marvin Harrison Jr. is there, I think the Arizona Cardinals will, this is just my opinion, will draft Marvin Harrison Jr. at number four. If he's not there, or if they get an incredible offer they cannot say no to because i do i do believe there will be teams that are desperate for a wide receiver one who might move up and give you the house and if that happens maybe i could see monty offsenfort moving down like he did with paris johnson jr and then coming back up maybe they move down to number 13 somewhere around there right where the raiders are are actually picking, and then they come back up. I could see that scenario happening because Monty's already done it.
4: You know, it's interesting, Daniel Jeremiah, and we'll hear an extended interview with him momentarily. He was asked earlier about, okay, what would it take the Raiders to move from 13 to number three? That was the question. So considering the Cardinals are in number four, he estimated the value to that team would be the 13th overall pick. It would be your first-round pick and third-round pick next year and your first-round pick in 26.
1: <laughs>
4: That's pretty enticing.
0: That is steep, yes.
4: So there's that. As for Marvin Harrison Jr., Monty Austin Ford was asked about him at his press session, and he said, quote, We've done a lot of work on Marvin Harrison Jr. Aha! Yes. That's all he said, though. But,
0: Paulie, no, he did not. You know, he also followed that up with, this is a very, very deep wide receiver class. Yes. Okay, no, I'm just thought, you want, as a general manager, you want your opponent, you want anyone out there who is watching you to believe you'll do whatever they don't want you to do. <laughs> you will do it. Whatever you don't want me to do, I'm going to do. You want to keep all your doors wide open.
4: So you, you want my sleeper trade candidate? Yeah. The New York Giants are number six. We keep Ooh. hearing about Atlanta at eight. Keep hearing about Minnesota and Denver and Vegas, right, 11 through 13. There's yep. a lot of chatter about the Giants and how they can cut Daniel Jones after this coming season and save about $19 million. They met with Caleb Williams. Why? So there's <laughs> a lot of thinking. So think about that. If they come up to the Cardinals at four and the Cardinals go down to six – Oh, you could still get a Roma Dunze. You could still get a Terry and Arnold, the top. You could get the top edge guy, the top D tackle. I mean, six would be a great spot. And you get some further draft capital, perhaps, from the New York Giants. I like that potential scenario.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I like it as well. But see, what's cool about this is you've already got how many picks in the top 91, Paul? How many? Well, I, got six, six, yes. Six picks in the top 91 And 11 right total. Now. And 11 total, of course. But, man, six picks in the top 91 right now. And you've got a wide receiver one who could be a generational talent, a kid that is a bit of a freak. When you look at Marvin Harrison Jr. and the fact that – did you see this, Paul? Have you heard this story where they, they stood Marvin Harrison Jr., who's 6'4", next to his dad, Marvin Harrison. And, Paul, their hip line was exactly the same. What? Yes, Marvin Harrison's only six feet tall. His son is six four, yet the hip line was the same, which explains why he runs such good routes. His legs aren't really long. His torso is long. Ball. This is okay. the kind of thing right now yep. that happens at the combine, right?
4: <laughs> Well, it, it's an epic receiver class between Marvin Harrison, yeah. Junior Roma, Dunze, and Malik Neighbors. So, uh, you know, there's all that. I mean, what do you make of it? Well, guess what? Craig Grealou, Danny Sarek, a good get, and Daniel Jeremiah. They sat down with them at the 2024 combine this week.
1: I've read a number of different mock drafts, including yours. Quarterbacks Don't
2: do that to yourself.
1: <laughs> Quarterbacks going one, two, yeah. and three. So, where the Cardinals sit at number four? Good position?
2: It's an awesome position. Yeah, I mean it's pull position because they're literally, they're more than likely going to get their pick of any other position in the draft. It's your choice. And and if you want to auction it, if you feel like you want to auction it, you might have a chance to do that. If somebody wants to come up for for Marvin Harrison Jr., you might have a chance to, to move the pick. But I think more than likely we do have quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. I don't need trades in mock drafts, so I'm just going to switch it up and put a different quarterback to a different team. Did it with the Giants. But I think if, you know, if three New England does not want to take a quarterback, they'd be almost dumb to stick and pick when they could get something for that pick for somebody coming up, which, again, Cardinals sitting there staring at everybody.
6: Which positions are deepest in this year's draft class?
2: Well, I almost feel like it's the same every year now as wide receiver. We are – this college game is just spitting out wide receivers left and right. So we have a ton of wide outs. That's the the deepest position in the draft. And I would say offensive tackles would be next – it could be a record setting year for first round tackles. I think that there's a chance we see eight. I think seven I wanna say is the record. So it's a really, really good group. After you get to those first, you know, eight, nine guys, I think it starts to fall off pretty good. I don't know that this draft is a great depth draft. You know, rounds five and six don't you know, there's been other years I'm like, oh my gosh, like Amon Ross St. Brown's there in the fourth round. Like, how is that possible? Uh, this year's not that. It's it's a it feels to me like a three round draft. It is really, really good. For those three rounds and those are probably the two deepest positions
6: wide receiver and offensive tackle two positions the cardinals need Craig. absolutely (laughs) and in your
1: latest 2.0 as far as your top 50 prospects you have three wide receivers in your top four Mm -hmm. four in your top 16 number one wide receivers all three of those names how do you differentiate what is a best fit for a particular team
2: I mean some days you wake up and you feel like going for a run, some days you wake up and you feel like going for a bike ride, you know, some days you might want to do some pilates. I don't know. It's just like they're all they're all whatever flavor that you want. What do you what are you looking for? I mean, if you want the run after catch and the explosiveness you're going to love Neighbors for what he brings there. You know, Marvin Harrison Jr. kind of is is uh, you know, a complete package obviously with all the size that he has. And Adunze is the one who can go up and get contested catches and play above the rim, and, and he's actually better at that than Marvin is in terms of contested catches. So they all have distinct strengths. Um, you know, I, I have it Marvin Harrison Jr. at Dunze then neighbors just from my personal preference because I feel like when you get to third down red zone and then in the playoffs, the windows shrink and those are those that's how you win games that's how you win championships It's guys who can win in crowds um and that to me is is why i had the bigger guys over neighbors
6: it can feel like a risk to potentially use the fourth overall pick on a wide receiver a mm-hmm. dependent position it's worked out well in the past for the cardinals and they drafted larry yeah Fitzgerald. he was pretty good yeah
2: he worked <laughs> out all right
6: which attributes are telling of when a wide receiver is really good in college and can transition those skills into the pros
2: Well, I I look at it like the flip side of what should be a warning sign if you're you're going in on a receiver. To me, when you have – this is like the killer traits here. When you're stiff, when you have inconsistent hands, and you have a limited route tree, those are like – if you find a guy who has all three of those things, it's like blinking lights, buyer beware. Now, with these guys, you know, neighbors will let some balls get into his chest every now and then, but he's got reliable hands. None of the top three guys have any of those warning signs.
1: Defensively, the Cardinals need help as well. Line of scrimmage, secondary, edge rusher, I think, at least for me, would be the biggest need. Where do you see those positions relative to the depth of the prospects on this?
2: Yeah, I mean, if you're going to look on the defensive side of the ball, corners that is the deepest. There's a, it's a really you know deep crop of corners. So if you're going to say, you know, man, I've got an edge rusher I like and a corner I like. You take the edge rusher. Um, that would be, you know, the move to make there with that second pick. What It's number 27, right? So you're looking at, you know, does Chop Robinson get there? Potentially from Penn State would be an option there. Darius Robinson from Missouri. Those, are, That's kind of like the collection of, you know, those types of players you're looking at at that point in time.
6: Which positions do you prioritize in this specific draft that can have a trickle-down effect to – have a positive impact on the rest of the defense? Well,
2: I always, you know, everybody has different thoughts on it. I'm still a front-to-back believer that if you can build up the front, it'll take some ease some pressure off the back. Um, You know, Bill Belichick kind of famously, towards the end of his career, kind of flipped that and just said, let's put our resources in the secondary, and I can manufacture a pass rush. So you can do it either way, but I, I still think that's the way you do it. And I think when you look inside the division, what the 49ers have done you know they are they are strong front to back and that's how they're built so that to me is where the priority would start and that you know, look free agencies where you can get a leg up there um, but I think to me they, they need to double down and continue to add resources to that front
6: so when you're looking overall arching what would you say are the most glaring needs for the Cardinals to address with some of their I mean they've got 11 draft picks they've got yeah. six in the top hundred most in the league what are the glaring needs for the Cardinals to address?
2: I think if they come out of this draft and they get an impact player on each side of the line of scrimmage offensive line, defensive line, and then they could get two dynamic players now you can one of those guys probably going to have to be raw when you think about the receiver or the DB, uh, but just getting some juice some explosiveness you know with a receiver and a defensive back and with the resources they have, I think that 's accomplishable. Um, but, you know, the old, it's like the old Sunday school uh, visual, though. If you want to get all that stuff in the jar, you know, the rocks, the sand, the water, like you got to get the big rocks in first. So, to me, you don't want to leave the first round without a big. Um, so, if we're going to dedicate that fourth pick to taking the playmaker, I, I think that that next pick has to be an offense or a defensive lineman.
4: That's great stuff. Daniel Jeremiah, NFL. Draft analyst, right, with Craig Rigelou, Danny Sarek, for the entire interview. All you have to do is search Cardinals Cover 2, wherever your podcast. go to the Cardinals' YouTube page. So that's interesting, Wolf. We know offensive tackle. We know receiver is really deep. He says corner is deep as well. You know what that makes me think? With the Cardinals' first pick in the first round, it's going to be either edge or D-tackle. Because you can get those other three position groups later in a loaded draft but there's not nearly as many guys to play along the defensive front.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting, Pauly. Um, I would disagree with you. I think <laughs> this is all going to be about building around Kyler Murray, and that means you've got to protect Kyler Murray. And the best way to protect Kyler Murray is to go ahead and get him a offensive lineman, maybe an interior offensive lineman, Graham Barton, <laughs> maybe, oh, no. maybe no. an offensive tackle, Pauly. You bring him in, Tyler Guyton. Maybe it's a situation where you also have a Marvin Harrison Jr. that is a huge force for him in the secondary and maybe gets the ball out quicker because he can see him that much easier a guy that is running such excellent routes I think it's all about protecting Kyler Murray and you do that via offensive linemen and targets he can throw the ball too
4: I'll say this though the Cardinals first four draft picks if it ends up being offensive tackle defensive line corner and receiver in some order, you know, I mean, I think it's probably going to be those four positions in some order. The question is, who exactly comes first in that sequence? And I'll say this, Jonathan Gannon and Manny Asifor talked about how they value versatility and defensive linemen so much. They told the yeah. media that again. It does make me think of Darius Robinson, the guy that Daniel Jeremiah named out of Missouri. He plays anywhere from the one technique all the way out to the edge. He tore it up at the senior bowl. He's supposedly going to test really well, and he was just a force at Missouri.
0: Yeah, he was a force, no doubt about it. I, I like Chop Robinson as well. I really like this guy. Paulie. did he run an excellent 40 time? Were you just talking four, about the 4-4-8. Four, 4 4, <laughs> four, four eight, Paulie, from a guy that's 250 pounds in Chop Robinson right now. I, I like that uh, out there on the edge. But let me just say, Paulie, um, I really love that Daniel Jeremiah reacted to the number four spot and called it the pole position in this draft. Isn't that interesting, Paul? Yeah. He called it the pole yeah. position because quarterback, quarterback, quarterback is the way he sees this going. And then the draft starts when you get away from the quarterback and you got a position a position room you might want to
4: draft. And Wolf, I know you're flying the flag for the Marvin Harrison Junior fan club. I get it. But did you also catch where he said Roma Dunze had more contested <laughs> catches yes. than the Ohio State All-American, and it's true. I got it right here. He had 21, Marvin Harrison Jr. had 13. And by the way, Roma but, Dunze is 6'3", 215, and might run a sub-4-4. He was the high school state 200-meter champion. Yeah.
0: I'm just saying he did say that Marvin Harrison Jr. was
4: the complete package. <laughs> he did. All right, listen to your favorite Cardinals podcast. All you have to do is search Cardinals podcast, azcardinals.com slash podcast. We continue with a Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert.
5: I do think that uh, we have a good plan in place to improve our players and get better. Culture, guys, is people and how you behave. That's it. It's not some fancy word. It's like, hey, like, who do you have and how do we behave on a daily basis, right? So it's my job to hold them to that set. Say, hey, this is what we want. And then let's make sure we do it. And when it's right, we point that out. And when it's not right, we point that out. And then ultimately, the locker room took that over this year.
4: There you go. Jonathan Gannon, really interesting. And he's really forthright with the media and you know they asked him for example okay as a new head coach what did you learn your takeaways year 1 he said you know what i learned to delegate i learned to trust people you know and and he said i made my biggest jump as a position coach from year 1 to year 2 and i expect that out of myself in my second year as a head coach of the Arizona Cardinals there he was from the Combine, in fact, that is where we have boots on the ground. Darren Urban, Danny Sorek, Craig Greelu. It is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley. Wolf, would you have enjoyed playing for Jonathan Gannon?
0: Yes, I believe with all my heart, Paulie, that I would have fit really, really well into this kind of culture right here. Now, listen, he doesn't have a fullback on his team, Paul, so I doubt that I would have been here. But in terms of the culture, yeah, I think I would have fit like a glove. I really do. I mean, this is one of the things I love about these two guys, Monty Austin Ford and Jonathan Gannon. It's the fact they know exactly the type of human being they want inside that locker room.
4: Yeah. In fact, with no further ado, let's just kick it to Danny Surak. She had a chance to sit down with Jonathan Gannon, the Cardinals head coach, here this week. And they got into some big-picture topics about the Big Red.
6: You've said you talk every day with General Manager Monty Asiford, especially this week when it comes to player valuations and interviews. You said when it comes to finding the right fit, it's about the price of admission, which not everybody pays. How much is the price of admission to become an Arizona Cardinal?
5: Yeah, it's, um, it's a lot. And what we're talking about there is, is the people that they are in their football character. So we like to look for certain things, you know, just as they're going through their college career, uh, what that looks like for us when they submerge into our culture with the Arizona Cardinals, um, what we think is needed to get the job done and last year's draft class all paid that price of admission. So Manny and his staff, and we did a really good job on that. So that's what we're looking for this year.
6: Reflecting on last season, four wins defensively, 29th passing defense, 32nd in the run. What's required to turn things around and become a threatening defense in just one offseason?
5: season? A lot, um, obviously not where we need to be uh, to win enough football games, to be relevant in January, as I would say. And um, I think continuity of the coaching staff and some of the things that we did last year moving into year two will help the players that are here. And then, you know, obviously excited about the acquisition phase, too. You know, free agency and the draft always add new people to the room. But the guys that we have back, they did a good job of trying to do what we wanted them to do. Um, And I think obviously there's a big area and a big room for a jump and improvement going into year two.
6: You saw eight games with your franchise quarterback, Kyler Murray. His presence immediately rejuvenated the offense, the team as a whole. Offensively, what pieces are missing where, if addressed, can elevate his play and in turn the offense's play as a whole immediately?
5: Yeah, I wouldn't say missing. I would just say we're looking to add good football players everywhere. And um, the offensive line, I always think in my mind, that's where I look to first, you know, because there's five guys on that and they, they got a tough job and they're Running pass game, and then, and then, how many playmakers can we surround Kyler with? You know, so and that comes in all kinds of different shapes and sizes and forms and positions. Um, so as long as we add good football players, we'll be on our way.
6: You've said this off season you want to tear things down with your staff and keep them on their toes. What good are you carrying over from last year to build upon? A
5: lot. Yeah, I mean, I think like certain things, just our, our standard of our, you know, our way of doing certain things, I think, was, was good. And the players liked it and they are comfortable with that, and we, they showed improvement with that. Uh, but I want us to, really what I was talking about with that comment was, I want us to have a growth mindset and making sure that we're t- talking and thinking about everything that we're doing and uh, to make sure that it's the best thing for the players. And um, as long as we're improving, I say individually and collectively, um, then the players will improve. So that's what I wanted done this offseason. and they've done a good job with it.
6: First year as a head coach, check done. What was the biggest lesson learned?
5: Uh, you gotta delegate, you gotta delegate a little bit. I got, I got, we have really good people in the building. Michael went out and, and you know, the people that he'd let us hire uh, were exactly what I was looking for. And so I listen to those guys. So I listen to them and then I delegate some responsibility at times. But um, it was it was fun. But I'm looking forward to the growth for myself in year two as well. Um, Just being on a job, you know, the 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 greatest experience is experience. So going into year two, I have to improve my game, too. So uh, I'm working on that.
6: At what point, what week did you realize I gotta delegate a little bit more?
5: Training camp. <laughs>
6: okay. Training
5: camp. Yeah, training camp. It kind of hit me. Uh, so, uh, but that was cool. People were ready to do that. You know what I mean? So that that was that was uh, kind of a neat experience for me. A little stressful, uh, but uh, it was good.
6: You were pretty hyped in the war room last year's draft, which makes sense. Monty Fort was making big moves. Yes, and he dealing. was.
5: Wheeling and dealing.
6: How prepared are you for the Monty Magic this year? Yeah,
5: I was just going to sit back and, you know, get your popcorn ready.
4: It's <laughs> <laughs> good stuff right there, Jonathan Gannon with Danny Sarek. Catch the entire interview, youtube.com slash AZ Cardinals. All right, so in order of appearance there, uh, talking about player acquisition, and we've obviously talked a lot about the draft, and that comes from the Combine. Free agency, Ron Wolfley, because on Arizona Sports last week, the owner, Michael Bidwell, said we're going to be active in free agency. In fact, he used the words very active. Monty said we're going to be active in free agency. What does that mean? I can't spell that out right now. Dot, dot, dot. What do you think that means?
0: You know what, Paulie? I really don't think we're going to see a big free agent splash. That is just me. I don't think that is the Monty Austin way. You know Monty Austin Ford, Paulie. You talk to him as well. And I just think that Monty Austin is more about building through the draft and supplementing with free agency, of course. I don't know if we're going to see a big signing via free agency. Based on what he did last year, I thought it was very, very interesting. He brought in a bunch of pros, Paul guys who were pros brought him in here kaiser white is a guy that i will point to and say this is a pro kaiser white didn't go of course to the pro bowl hasn't been to the pro bowl we know that but kaiser white he only played 11 games last year this is a guy who is a pro and a guy that's going to go out there and he's never going to get you beat at the NFL level. That's what I think he's going to be looking for more and more and more guys. Now, they actually paid Kaiser White, actually gave him a little bit of money, but I don't think we're going to see a $20 million signing a year, Paulie. I think Monty Austin is about building through the draft and then using free agency. To supplement.
4: Yeah, if I had to forecast, I would agree with you. I would say this, though. The reason I think, in part, they gave Kaiser money the most money, Kaiser White the most money of any free agent, is because they knew him so well. True. Is there a defensive lineman out there they trust, (laughs) an edge guy they trust, a corner out there? Because right now, the defensive line room, it's an empty cupboard. Uh, I mean, you need guys, and you could really use a game wrecker. And so I wonder about that. And the difference from last offseason – you have about $50 million available in spending power.
0: Yeah, that's right, Paulie. You know, it's it's very interesting because just listening to you talk right there, would you say Fletcher Cox would be a guy that <laughs> you might just, you know what yeah, mean, Paul? Sure. I mean, Paulie? There he is. Yep. And, and we all know that Fletcher Cox, of course, a guy that has been an awesome three technique in the National Football League for a long time. He's 33 years old right now. Um, he might be at that point where suddenly it's going to be a change of scenery for him. What could you possibly get Fletcher Cox for, Paul? And what kind of discount might he actually give Jonathan Gannon and Monty Osenford to come out here to Arizona, beautiful Arizona, and play? That, that is the question that I have right now, Paul. Would he give them – a hometown discount, so to speak. That's right.
4: The Niners got Javon Hargrave, so Cardinals go after Fletcher Cox. Yeah, there you go. That'd be, uh... By the way, he also mentioned Kyla Murray in, in that interview, and it was interesting to hear Jonathan Gannon tell the media in Indianapolis that, you know what, uh, the game is going to go through one. And then he yeah. talked about how it's one thing to be a cornerback in a new system, but when you're a quarterback in a new scheme – And you don't have an entire offseason to actually rep it because you're coming back from a knee injury. You know, We saw some of Kyler's best ball at the very end. It makes sense, and he still thinks there's plenty of upside Kyler in this offense.
0: Yeah, Paulie, no doubt about it. And what do you got to do? You got to protect Kyler Murray. That's what you got to do. I loved his answer right there when Danny asked him what pieces are missing to help Kyler. He said the offensive line is where I look first, and then how many playmakers can we surround him with? There it is, right there. Offensive linemen to protect him and also to protect him with wide receivers who are going to get open and run the right routes and be in the right spot to get the ball.
4: I keep citing the Detroit Lions, the Honolulu blueprint, if you will. Yes, they went and they got Calvin Johnson, and he was a Hall of Famer. What to do for their postseason fortunes? But yeah. when they started focusing on the offensive line and they shunned Jamar Chase or they didn't have a shot at him, they ended up with Penny Sewell, right? Then boom, they just they focused on that offensive line. And so whether it's that, whether it's the defensive line, whether it's corner, we'll talk about that when we come back and name some names. It's the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford.
1: Shotgun snap. Smith moves to his left, rolling that way. Pump fake now throws. Far side picked off at the one yard line. It's intercepted by the rookie Williams out of Syracuse. His first game after missing the last 12 months due to an injury suffered at Syracuse in the middle of the season. He makes a huge play, picking off Geno Smith in the red zone. Geno Smith
6: el pase la interceptado, señores. Interceptado. El novato, Garrett Williams, les dice presente. Welcome to the NFL, muchacho. Garrett Williams interceptado.
4: As Luis Hernandez preceded <laughs> by Dave Pash. Yes, that is the interception times two English and Spanish. That was his debut in the NFL after coming back from the knee injury that curtailed his final season at Syracuse. There he was midseason at Seattle. As soon as he was available, he was in the lineup. The starting nickel and boom, comes away with the takeaway. It's the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley. Our special NFL Combine edition and you go back to the Combine where the Cardinals were blown away by Garrett Williams. At least that's the story Monty Ford and Jonathan Gannon have told recently, where there they were, Wolf. And you mentioned it earlier. You got like 30 interviews in a row, right? All 15 minutes apiece. It's speed dating. You get to the end of the day. It's 10 o'clock in the evening. You are dragging and worn out. And they said the very last interview was Garrett Williams. And within the first minute, he had them on the edge of their seat. And by the time he left that room in the interview, they looked at each other and said, we have a shot at that guy, we're going to turn in the card with his name on it. And sure enough, it happened in the third round.
0: Yeah, you know, Paul, I also think Garrett Williams, too, is going to be the starting corner for the Arizona Cardinals, the nickel corner. I think that really is where his future is. Now, once again, I'm not saying that Garrett Williams can't play on the outside. He's big enough to actually play on the outside. He's 5'10", about 192 pounds. He's big enough to actually play out there. He proved that, of course, last year. But I really think the future for Garrett Williams is inside that nickel corner over maybe a number three receiver in the slot. I I think that's where his future is. But having said that, they need to find more guys like him, Paul.
4: Yeah. Well, it was after that interception the very next week, we had him on the big red rage. And you might remember when we asked Garrett Williams about playing slot corner. Things are moving fast, but you got to adjust with it, you know. So definitely a big adjustment because when you're at a corner, your vision is just so different than when you're – Playing this
2: slot. When you're a corner, you can kind of see everything around you when you're in the slot. You kind of gotta search a little bit more, you know, to see the full formation and things like that.
4: You know what else stands out to me about that interview? Just to what degree he's a thinking man's corner. Yeah. I look, I'm not blowing your cover by saying you're not exactly the biggest fan of college football. And he agreed <laughs> with you for the same reason. Because to him, college football is a little bit simplistic. And he's not even a year removed from the college game. (laughs) And he talked about how he enjoys how complex the NFL is. Yeah, and you know,
0: Paulie too, Garrett Williams is a physical guy as well. I think he's a good, from what I saw, he's a good open field tackler for the most part. And he he tackles with some physicality. Once again, it's not a surprise to me because this is exactly what J.G. and Monte Austin Ford are looking for, guys that are physical football players, When you say our culture is going to be about physicality, and that's one of the things, that's one of the things they look for in a football player is a guy that is physical. When you say that, you're talking about blocking and tackling. And it doesn't matter what position the guy plays. You're looking for somebody who plays it
4: physically. Garrett Williams is that guy. Uh, and Buda Baker knows that guy when he sees one, right? Here's the six-time Pro Bowler, Buddha Baker, when he was asked about Garrett Williams.
0: Garrett is a pro, you know, he he knows the ins and outs of what his job is supposed to be. And it's definitely special to have, a, you know, a young guy like that understand his job and know what to do each and every play. So he's going to continue to get better as a player, continue to uh, gain knowledge on the field as well. And,
1: you know, sky's the limit for him.
4: And look, he wasn't the only rookie to play. Starling Thomas was a starting corner for quite a bit of the Mm -hmm. latter part of the season. They started the season with six-round rookie Keetra Clark as a starter. uh, You know, Wolf, we talk a lot about O-line, D-line in this draft, receiver, obviously. But could corner be the sleeper pick? For example... Terry and Arnold, we mentioned how he met with the Cardinals. The Alabama corner, considered the top corner prospect in this draft. I mean, if he ends up being the Cardinals pick, maybe not at four, but if they trade down to middle of the first round, would you be surprised by that?
0: You know, no, I would not, Paulie. I would not be surprised. And cornerback, for the most part, once again, is probably the second. Yeah, as a matter of fact, Daniel Jeremiah said that. Yep. Cornerback was probably the second deepest position in the draft right now. As a matter of fact, there are estimated 10 cornerbacks that are going to go in the first 70 picks of the draft. Wow. 10, Paulie, and 15 overall So, in the top 100. So that's going to be interesting to watch because I think the Cardinals at number 27 could be very interested in who is there.
4: Here's some of the top names. We mentioned Terry and Arnold from Bama, Quinion Mitchell from Toledo. He balled out and just went way up everybody's draft board at the senior bowl. Yeah, but get to it, Paul. Then you have Ennis Rakestraw from Missouri. Okay. Right. And then you have number four, Nate Wiggins of Clemson. By the way, he says he ran a four two seven recently, and he's <laughs> gonna he he's gonna be a blazer, a burner in the forty. And then the fifth one on the board that I saw was Cooper DeJean from Iowa. Okay, wait a minute. You didn't Who have am I missing?
0: Kool-Aid McKinstry. He didn't have Kool-Aid McKinstry, Paul? He might have the best name in the entire draft. And, you know, this is a guy that was down in the SEC playing ball for Bama.
4: Well, he he was opposite Terry and Arnold, and those two would push each other. So, you're right. I mean, could Kool-Aid McKinstry be the Cardinals pick at 35? for example. I could yeah. definitely see that happening.
0: I don't know, Bully. I've got my heart set on Graham Barton at 35 <laughs> right stop. now. I, I think he's probably going to go higher. I think he'll probably go in the 20s somewhere. But um, who knows? He might fall in this draft. And if he does, man, I've got Graham Barton <laughs> slated for number 35.
4: By the way, based on what all the coaches and GMs were saying at the Combine this week, here's my forecast. I'm going to look into the crystal football, and I'm going to project a few things. You ready? Oh, no. Justin Fields traded to Atlanta. That's going to happen. Caleb Williams will be drafted by the Bears. Russell Wilson will go to Pittsburgh after he's cut, because based on what (laughs) Sean Payton was saying to the media, uh, that decision is coming really soon. By the way, it's interesting to hear the Broncos' GM George Payton say, we've got no trade calls on Russell Wilson. So that was interesting. They gave that up. Uh, I'm thinking the Seahawks are going to rock the world and take Michael Penix, number 16, overall. They're going to keep him in Seattle. And uh, I also think that the Cardinals will trade out from number four, and it's going to a team in desperate need of a quarterback, whether it's Minnesota, Denver, the Giants, the Raiders, whomever. And I think J.J. McCarthy is going to be that guy who's going to climb the draft boards, maybe Bo Nix. But you know our new saying, our campaign slogan is, let there be a fourth QB. Because then <laughs> Monty Asenfort is presented <laughs> with the option of either trading out and taking the bonanza from a quarterback desperate team or you stay at four and take the best position player.
0: You know, once again, Paulie, I absolutely love it. I, I, I can I can see that possibly happening. Number four being there and Monty trading back again and then jumping back up after collecting some more picks, including another first round pick. I mean, I love that scenario right there as long as Marvin Harrison Jr. isn't there at
4: four. Speaking of receivers, the Vikings' GM called Justin Jefferson, quote, the best receiver, the best non-quarterback in the NFL, and he should be compensated as such. Um, he realizes he just lost all leverage there, right? <laughs> By making that comment to the media. Hey, Cardinals student pass allows college students to get info on Cardinals internships, discounts, networking events, ticket offers, and more. Go to azcardinals.com slash Special thanks to Craig Grealou, Danny Sarek, Darren Urban for all the content from Indianapolis and the NFL Combine. Special thanks, as always, Jim Omohundro, Cody Fincher, Matt Lazarus, Ron Wolfley, I'm Paul Calvisi. This has been the Big Red Rage as the NFL Combine continues through the weekend, all presented by Santan Ford. We are Santan Ford. You've been listening to The Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford & Gilbert, right on the price, right on the corner of the Santan 202 Freeway in Val Vista. The Rage is brought to you by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast.
2: This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.